You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout a Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everybody? Two for the price of one, our second uh, live show of the week, heading into a pretty big football game on Saturday night between the Buffalo Bills and the New England Patriots. We're going to break it all down today on the Shout Buffalo Football Podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets. Whether you're celebrating at home or away this weekend, I'm pretty sure everybody's going to get stocked up. Uh, who's going to be out in the cold tailgating. We'll talk about that uh, in a few moments. Uh, Tops has all your fan favorites ready to enjoy for football, entertaining, or any occasion. Uh, Ryan Talbot uh, is here. I am Matt Perino, and we are joined by our special guest, Jeremy Way from WGR 550. What's up, buddy? How are you? I'm all right, guys. Good to be here again. It's good to have you. How are you, Ryan? Hey, I'm doing great. Yeah, excited to have Jeremy on tonight. Excited to hear uh, his stance on you know where the Bills are now compared to where they were when he first started at WGR. So really excited about mm-hmm. tonight's episode. That's probably a good place to start. I want to talk a little bit about the weather with you because... We've probably been talking about this all week now. You've heard pretty much every take there can be on the weather. Where do you kind of land on that? Because unlike myself, I'll be at the game, but I'll be in the cozy, warm press box. You're going to be there in all of the glory of, uh, of mm-hmm. the stadium, right? It's funny. We've been talking about it this week, and uh, every couple hours I'll get a new email from somebody that is a pro. I, I just got one. We're talking like, telephone pole workers in Waterloo and or Watertown and oh yeah I used to be uh I used to be a duck hunter in uh none of it or whatever like guys just everybody offering anything they can like here's what you got to do for your feet here's what you got to do for your hands yeah I mean I'm I'm excited for it we we would have been there last year in the playoffs my wife's whole family to go to every game like I, I tell everybody every game is like Thanksgiving like um she'll be there her brothers her dad we, have, we never know how many cousins are going to come. So that's why we're in the camper lot. So um, this will be like, get there. And then it's like an episode of This Is Your Life. Like, oh, look who made it. Look who made it. And then we'll all go into the game and freeze the whole time, I'm sure. Um, so it's uh, it's going to be an adventure, you know? Like, I mean, I wouldn't quite say I'm thrilled about it, but you, know, <laughs> you, you, you get an adventure out of it. So I'm kind of I'm kind of excited about that, if nothing else. 
fitting that you bring that up too, because like, I feel like some of the thing I was just talking to Sal about this yesterday about the 500 remaining tickets. Do you feel like that that's maybe uh, there's some hesitancy to maybe go all in and attend the game? Cause I feel like from my perspective, I can't, I'm sitting here. I can't imagine that that, that every seat is not going to be filled on yeah. Saturday. Well, I was thinking about this today actually. And I thought, you know, it's not just $26 to go to let's say the, the cheapest seat is $26. It's not just $26. That person also has to have the gear for a game like this. This is not just going to work in a jacket. Do you have the boots? Do you have the gloves? Because a lot of that stuff, like, you know, the people, like I'm saying, that are emailing me do it professionally. They hunt. They have hundreds of dollars of things to wear. And, you know, any old 62-degree game, I'll just show up in a shirt. You really have to be ready for this one. So I think that takes a lot of people out of it that either don't have access to that kind of stuff or, you know, maybe the other thing I, I was thinking about, they only give you six days notice for this one. You know, you know, there's maybe going to be a playoff game. Turns out, yes, there is going to be a playoff game. And then you find out, oh, by the way, it's Saturday night. You know, a lot of people might not be able to make that work. Just last week when they flexed the game from one to four thirty, I mean, I had planned on going. It drastically changed our plans with six days notice and I could not go to that game. So. I think there's a lot of factors about those those seats maybe still being available. And unlike the bigger picture about like the dome and what that all means, I think about if you're looking at the $26 seat as not selling, you're looking at the wrong end of it. Because if you build a dome, that seat will sell. But like the $2,600 seat might not sell for economic reasons and market size. So, you know, I think there's a lot of it that kind of goes into it. And zero degrees is a big ask for anybody to sit out in, in a stadium that does not have warming stations or really any break from that cold. You can't go into the concourse and get warm. You're just cold. You got to sign up for it the whole way through. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, there's the Canadian factor too, the fans that are, can't come, come over the border and, and a lot of things. But uh, in the comments, we like to go to the comments a lot. Corey wants to know if you can drop any cold weather knowledge from these people that are that are emailing you and sending you messages. So any tips for Saturday night's game? Well, everybody says don't get wet, of course, right? Like you don't want to <laughs> get wet, which shouldn't be a factor from the elements. It's not going to rain on you. We've had conflicting reports about whether or not you should wrap your feet in plastic bags to trap heat, but I've got conflicting reports. Some say only do that in the event that they could get wet. That keeps the rain out. Everybody says layers, layers, layers. You know, my personal thing, ski goggles. That's like number one for me. You have ski goggles, you should wear them because, you know, the faces, a lot of, you know, buffs will cover this. You rock ski goggles, you're completely covered. You're good to go. So that'll be my, my hack. will be ski goggles. I did buy brand new, like, arctic bibs for this so um seriously like i went out and bought these so i thought like well they're probably gonna be a lot more january home games so Mm -hmm. i'll make the investment in these layers everybody says layers and make sure your feet stay warm so and and you know we were talking you've been in this area for a long time what's this going to be like on saturday night with division rivals but now with the bills being the team to be in the division for the second straight season it's going to be pretty wild, right? It's going to be awesome. I mean, the two playoff games last year were exciting and a lot of people had to watch them from home. So it's not just any old game either, guys. You know that, right? If this is the Chargers, it's still pretty exciting. This is every, it feels like every play, every minute of this entire affair, no one's going to feel comfortable. Up 10 with five minutes to play, like not going to feel comfortable, no matter what, because of who it is on the other side. It's 
it's almost like a, a rite of passage because the Bills winning divisions meant getting past New England, getting past Brady and Belichick. And there was always that little thing like, well, it's because Brady left. Well, now Belichick's kind of good again. And you're going to have to beat him when he's good. So it feels like this is almost like a, a, a mountain to climb in itself to, to prove that it's not just that Tom Brady left. It's that the Bills are legit at the same time, and that's why they're on top. You know, I'm trying to envision all the different scenarios where the Bills would be down in the fourth quarter. I don't know if, unless they get completely run over like they did in that first game, 17 missed tackles. I just, I can't see the Patriots being able to replicate replicate that even in the elements, but I guess never say never. I want to ask you, A, where do you feel like this game goes off track if it does? I guess let's start there because then I want to, I want to divert a little bit into something else. I think it goes off track the same way the first one goes off track, which is, the Bills either can't throw it effectively or think they can't. I would almost say that the Atlanta game scares me more than the, the first New England game. The Atlanta game was cold, and Josh Allen just didn't have his sharpest passing day. He didn't get much help. Like He had balls going off the of hands of receivers, and it just wasn't a sharp passing day. And if there's one thing that I would worry about, I, I think it's that. You know, let's Hypothetically, you're standing right here, 10 yards away. Josh Allen's throwing you a ball or Mac Jones is throwing you the ball. Who would you rather catch it from? It might be Mac Jones because it doesn't hurt so much. So <laughs> I'm a little nervous about the passing game not being sharp, um, you know, tipped balls, batted balls, balls off the hands of receivers, that kind of thing. Uh, and the Atlanta game is kind of what has me spooked that little bit. But even if that's the case, I just have a hard time thinking New England's going to score like big numbers in this game. Wouldn't you, put, would you guys top them out at like 20, 24? And if they get to about that on a good day, which Sean McDermott defenses almost always hold New England at 20 or less, you're going to be in the game pretty much throughout. So I think the Bills will get their chances and, uh, you know, get it done in the red zone and you should be okay. They move the ball T to green. Uh, I say, I call it T to green. They just miss their putts in the red zone. Almost mm-hmm. every game they move it T to green. And when they have their troubles, it's because they don't finish the drive. Yeah, I think that's a great point. You can go back to that first game, first and goal from the six. They don't use Allen as a runner. Sometimes it's play calling. Sometimes it's execution. Uh, at, at the end of the day, that's what it's come down to. Now, Matt, we've talked, though, the Bills have gotten better in the red zone over that last stretch of the season at, with that four-game win streak. So going back to you, Jeremy, what do you think – in terms of execution, the Bills need to do in the red zone. Is it continuing to use Devin Singletary, who's been effective in that area? Is it lean on the passing game or let Josh Allen use his legs? I think it might be using Josh Allen as a runner. I mean, you know, if you can block it up well, the quarterback is going to go one-on-one, and I don't know very many defensive players that are going to stop him if he needs one yard or two yards. So I think use Josh Allen as a runner, that's the antidote for the scary thing that Atlanta game the antidote for that is what they did in the Atlanta game, which is just have Josh run it right at him, hit a huge day on the ground. So red zone, that's where I get nervous about their commitment to run the ball because it seems like sometimes that's when they've had wasted plays and, and just kind of let drives die on the vine. That happened against the Jets a couple times, two runs, all of a sudden you know, you're moving and things kind of just get pulled back a little bit. So, I mean, I, I'm glad to see them running the ball better. Uh, there was a stat earlier in the season, they had 22 red zone carries for 26 yards. Like mm. those were not all from the one, you know, it's from right. the 10 from the, and it's just to have that much trouble in the red zone. Like, you know, it was, it was a problem. So 
hopefully, you know, if, if it's blocked up well, then we don't see that problem. What this game is going to probably call for, like you mentioned, Josh Allen running the ball. I, I, I went back and looked, and it's seven fumbles um, at home this season. That's alarming. That's something where I, I, I kind of like, all right, well, like, how is this going to look? If you you put the ball on the deck a couple times, funny enough, he hasn't. He's only fumbled once, uh, you know, since December rolled around. But I think him as a runner in this game, there's kind of no way around it unless you come out and you're just absolutely slicing and dicing the def- the, the secondary. And I know that's we're going to talk about that J.C. Jackson Stephon Diggs matchup. But in these elements, I think that there's going to be some plays where you know drops, stifle drives, and and so on and so forth. I think that one of the things that I'm hesitant to say that the New England Patriots can fix and figure out is getting pressure consistently on Josh mm-hmm. Allen and having it work. I saw a stat that, and this is completely different than what they've done in years past, 23% uh, of the time against Allen, the two games, they've blitzed, which is way down from previous years. A lot of people are wondering, should they kind of dial that up a little bit, try to send more kind of different look blitzes at him to try to kind of throw him off his game. But I feel like that's when Allen's kind of been at his best this year. Some teams have had success against the Bills with the blitz, right? Jacksonville really uh, frustrated them. And I feel like one of the ways that the Bills offense has been derailed has not even necessarily been beating Allen with the, with the blitz. It's been beating the patchwork line that they've kind of put together, right? There've been miscommunications, big time misses. And if you can confuse the line, well then mission accomplished, you're at the quarterback. And you know, there Allen can make plays, but sometimes that becomes a problem. I fully expect way more pressure in this game, way more blitzes. Um, it has been a formula for teams against these bills. It is boomer bust. I mean, you know, you blitz the best quarterbacks. A lot of them will beat you. So if that means more man coverage, if that means more one-on-ones for, uh, whether that's McKenzie or, of course, Diggs, then, I mean, I welcome that part of the matchup. But I, I just don't think that New England's going to roll out the same game plan they had at Gillette, where they just kind of – they dared Josh Allen to make throws, and he made them all. So um, they might decide, let's take our chances again in zero degrees. But I'm with you. I would expect that number of blitzes to come up this week. You know, Jeremy, you mentioned the offensive line and early in the season, they they had their issues, miscommunication, uh, injuries, still just not figuring out the best starting five. But it seems like this current unit is gelling pretty well. Is it a combination of maybe they really haven't been tested enough against the blitz? A lot of these teams were uh, dropping back. Or do you think maybe the Bills finally figured something out and that's going to benefit this team in the playoffs, not just against the Patriots, but maybe going deep into the playoffs? Yeah, I think it could be a couple things. One of them is when they were at their worst, which lineman did you guys think they could count on? Right? Dawkins had a really rough stretch. The right side, of course, was a mess. And right about now, you feel better about who they can count on. Spencer Brown is in the lineup and he's been pretty reliable. Dawkins has come back, right? Like mm-hmm. he is, he's back to who he is. So now if you're Brian Dable or if you're Josh Allen, you know, instead of wondering what's going to happen all across, you kind of feel better like, all right, I'm probably good here. I can scheme to, to, to help out over here. You know, the, the running back, whoever's left in the backfield. I just feel like there's more confidence in the line. And that doesn't even mean just feeling better. It means that you can actually plan differently if you kind of know I've got a neutralizer over there on the left side of left tackle. I think Dawkins coming on has been a huge, huge part of that. I mean, he's been good in the run game. He's been good in the pass game. If you watch them pass the ball, you just watch him swallow guys up these last couple of weeks. So you know, consistency and getting the best players they have on the line to start playing like the best players has been, for me, that's been it. 
the thing about Dawkins that's so good if you're a Bills fan is, you know, I thought that like as the playoffs went along, he looked like he got like, I don't know if it was like it, he got tired, but like, you know, he started struggling as they got to the, now they, their entire line struggled in the Kansas City game. But if he's not like your best offensive lineman, uh, usually you're going to struggle because he's been so good consistently. And, you know, you look at, I guess I want to bring it back to the fact that this is such a healthy roster right now, outside of obviously Tredavious White, who's out for the season. Nobody's going to miss this game. They're going to have access to their entire 53-man roster when they go to make active decisions. And I think one of the big questions, I wrote about it earlier in the week, is how are they going to re-implement or kind of re-have Emmanuel Sanders re-enter this offense? Gabriel Davis has started three of the last four games struggled a bit in the last one, 14 targets, three catches, couple drops, but I think he was kind of banged up in that game. I went back and watched it back and it looks like he was laboring a little bit. So we'll see how he kind of comes through that. But I guess like I'm interested to know, how do you think it should work? Because you got the Isaiah McKenzie factor. It seems like they've kind of gone back to that, you know, heavy snap count for Cole Beasley. He's had some success at times against the Patriots over the years, but Emmanuel Sanders is kind of like that, you know, he made a couple big catches in that second game when he had to play for Davis. Not splashy numbers, but big catches, which I think they're going to need those kind of plays in this game. I wonder if they'll lean on the veterans a little bit more and the guys they feel like they can lean on. Like Beasley in this game, you know, if they're if they're gonna they're gonna blitz every it feels like throughout the year when we would see the Bills get heavy blitz numbers, you'd watch the broadcast and whoever it is on, you know, CBS would say, every time they blitz, you should throw to Beasley. Just throw to Beasley. Find that little release valve to him. And for Allen, I think that that might be a little more reliable than a McKenzie kind of release valve. You know, McKenzie had an incredible game against the Patriots the first time. And a lot of that was McKenzie. But a lot of it was, as we've mentioned, Allen with just unbelievable throws to spots, even against, you know, good coverage. So it would surprise me if they lean more on McKenzie and Davis than they do uh, Sanders and Beasley. Like, I think veterans in this spot, and especially if you're going to try and hammer into Allen's head, you know, Take the dump offs, take the what they give you when they give that to you. To me, that's all about finding Singletary, which they've done a lot more effectively in the second half of the season, and also finding Beasley. Like it wouldn't shock me at all if this is like a eight catch, eighty five yard day for for Cole Beasley, who just kind of keeps moving the chains as Belichick forces them to go on long drives rather than get hit with big ones like they did in the last game. You know, another interesting angle is Stefan Diggs. And usually Bill Belichick is really good about taking away your, the team's best weapon. And Diggs hasn't had gaudy stats maybe this year, but he's been very active against the Patriots, especially in that second matchup, scoring, getting in the end zone, having the best of J.C. Jackson over the last two years. Do you think, one, uh, maybe they try something a little bit different? I, I almost wonder if they thought that Jackson one-on-one could stop him previously, and that hasn't necessarily been the case. But but two Jackson even seems to acknowledge Diggs now in, in terms of how great he is, really complimenting him as a player. Where going into that second matchup, he was talking more so about his own <laughs> island. So, uh, yeah. what do you think? Maybe the, is the game plan going to be the same? J.C. Jackson on Stefan Diggs? Are they going to maybe try a, a different wrinkle? Because while he hasn't maybe jumped off the page with the stats, he's still been pretty effective. Yeah, I'm really interested to see Diggs this postseason because. Going back to that picture in Kansas City where he's, you know, hands on the head, last bill to leave the field. Like, you know, the Bills have a lot of guys that are super motivated and and burn to win a lot. And Diggs is at the top of that list. And, you know, it feels like they've all, the whole team, the whole season, it's been about getting here. 
It's almost like there's this feeling of now it really starts. You know, they had to do what they had to do to get here. They wanted to get the one seed. They did not. But now I almost want to see like playoff digs unleashed because it did not happen last year. He was banged up last year, right? Both Beasley and Diggs picked up late season injuries. And this year, if they're fully healthy, I want to see playoff digs. And against J.C. Jackson or Marshawn Lattimore or Stephon Diggs, there's nobody that locks him up one-on-one. And if Allen gets the time to find him, I, I mean, I like that matchup every game. I, I liked it against the Jets when it seemed like they were just, you know, snap, find Diggs and throw it to him so he can get his bonus. Like, I think they should pretend he needs another bonus and throw it to him as many times as possible because it, it works. It's their, you know, it's one of their best plays is just finding where he is and throwing the ball. From hot to go pizza and appetizers, signatures, fried chicken, baby back ribs and subs, oh. delicious salads and brownie trays. Tops has everything you need to feed the hungriest fan. And, you know, transition wise here, I mean, if you're talking about uh, feeding time, I think this defensive line, I mentioned it earlier in the week, they have to be the star of the show in this game. Because I feel like if there is a scenario where this offense for the Bills struggles to score early and New England hangs around in this game, the way you can kind of flip that a little bit or give yourself an advantage is to get on Mac Jones early, get some pressure, maybe force a turnover, maybe score off of one of those turnovers. And I think that as much has been made about how Josh Allen plays in the cold, I think it's equally important to note that Mac Jones has not played a lot of football in these kind of elements. And if you hit him early, I think that that kind of sets the stage for, you know, some potential mistakes. And I know that they're going to want to run the ball. Isaiah Wynn hasn't, has kind of have been up and down. He's obviously banged up questions if he's going to play or not, but him being out does have a domino effect. They I've, I've been listening to some, some guys in new England, Matthew Fairburn, the athletic. Uh, I listen to him quite a bit. They're talking about maybe moving Trent Brown from that right side over to the left side. And then you're talking about some moving pieces that could impact the run game yeah. for a team that's so reliant on that kind of consistency and what they do fundamentally well. Would you agree with all that? I guess you remember what that did to the bills when Spencer Brown went to the left side, like he held his own, but it was just, it was kind of like, I don't know, like that, that poster of the cat holding onto the branch, you know, like he got through it. <laughs> Hang on. He got through it. He's a rookie. It's tough to ask that much more from him. Um, what, five penalties? He's dealing with Brian Burns spin moves and you're just like, good luck, kid. Come on, hang in there. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, it makes a difference if, if you have to make that switch. So if New England is, is, you know, shuffling spots all over the place, I mean, I'd be worried about that. And, you know, as you're talking about Mac Jones never playing in, in a spot like this, Hindsight's twenty twenty. I'm not really taking a shot at Belichick here. I do that plenty of times just for fun, but not, I'm not really doing that. But if you think about it, if that first game here was just cold and not windy and not the kind of game where Mac Jones was going to throw three times, he would have a little bit of experience in it. Instead, mm-hmm. he was part of a game where he he almost didn't play. So it really is like a first time ever Mac Jones playing in a hostile environment and hostile conditions. Because the first time that happened, he wasn't really part of the game plan. Maybe that that wind game that worked against the Bills kind of ends up working for them because they found out a little bit about Josh Allen, which is we can throw in the elements no matter what. And they did not find that out about him and how he would play in it. Set the stage for us. Football Friday tomorrow, 6 a.m. What are you guys going to be talking about on the final day before the game? <laughs> How to keep our feet warm. <laughs> we'll still be talking weather probably. You know, I think it's it's probably about 
how important the game it really is. Like it, it's, you know, teams go to the playoffs a lot and you can go five, six years. And at the end of it, you look back and think about a Super Bowl window or whatever. And last year when the Bills lost, I think there was a very quick knee jerk to be like, all right, great year. Took a step, your window's open. And if they were to, if they were to lose, like if the window's not closed, but one of the years in it, door shuts. You know, you're going to, let's say you got a 10-year window. Like, okay, 10 years sounds like a lot. Well, then it's nine. And then next year's like, well, now it's eight. And the pressure mounts as you go. So it's impossible not to talk about the pressure of this game, of establishing you as the do- dominant team in the AFC East, establishing that no Bill Belichick is not in Sean McDermott's head. Um, you might be allowed to, about to lose both coordinators, right? So, like, it's your last chance with the continuity point, which we talk about a lot. Like, the Bills have that. This might be your last couple games with your four-year build, minus Trey White. And after this one, there might be some changeover coming to staffs, to positions. Maybe that's Beasley. Maybe that's Jerry Hughes, right? Like, next year's team probably looks a little different than this year's team as compared to, you know, the turnover from last year to this year. They didn't really do anything. Kind of kept it. Let's go again. After this year, if it falls short, if they win the Super Bowl, there's probably more change coming. So it feels to me like a little bit of, not again, the window's not closing, but this version of the Bills, this is their shot. You mentioned the coordinators, and I kind of want to kind of touch on that before you go. But this does feel like this is kind of a winnable year in that window based on what's happening with all these teams in the, in the conference. I mean, right now, if you look at the Patriots, they're probably at the most beatable they're going to be. I'm, I'm guessing here, you know, they have Bill Belichick still, they have a, a guy, Mac Jones, who's done what he has. He's done as a rookie. You're probably projecting some improvement as he kind of goes along here. So they're probably going to be better. Kansas City's kind of in this weird place where their defense kind of plays well at times, but other other times they're still getting gouged. And I don't think that, that offense is still looked as good as it has. And then you have the Tennessee Titans who are the most beatable one seed of all time. I feel like there's so many ways or, or paths to the Super Bowl that I feel like, I guess that's a, my next big question here is like, if they lose this game, no matter how it happens, how much of a defeating, we know what it'll mean for the fan base and the pain that that will kind of cause with this team specifically, but with the opportunity, how much more layered is this, that, you know, this could be a huge opportunity to win now. Uh, I think that, you know, as you're talking about, you know, the Titans, the chiefs, there's nobody out there that scares bills fans and probably nobody out there that scares the bills. There's no, I mean, they haven't beaten the Titans. They have a couple of losses to them, but it doesn't really feel like they would be intimidated by the Titans. Whereas coming into this year, it was, you kind of have to prove you can beat the chiefs and they did. Mm-hmm. And they beat him in Arrowhead. So, you know, going to Arrowhead, they might be an underdog, but I think a lot of bills fans would think like, just do it again. You beat them once you could beat them again. I think like when you get right down to, being a team that's this good and still in the three spot, I'd be surprised. Well, I shouldn't say I'd be surprised. If they lose this week, next week, I bet a common refrain for a lot of Bills fans is we beat ourselves because they think the Bills are good enough to win the Super Bowl. And they are. They're probably about six teams that are good enough to win the Super Bowl. And five of those teams are going to walk away thinking what they could have done. One, I'll bring up one point before I, before I go is that, some of these other teams made moves at the deadline. The Chiefs added Melvin Ingram and got a lot better, right? The Rams add Von Miller and Odell Beckham Jr. 
the Cardinals at Zach Ertz. And, you know, the Bills were kicking tires on Miller and they were linked to Ertz and rumors. And there are probably some names we didn't hear. And the thing I wonder is, I wonder if Brandon Bean, if it ends, doesn't think I had a swing to take and I didn't take it. You know, it'd be tough for us to ever know that. But they brought everybody back. And if they go, if they end up coming shorter, they were out on Miller because it got too expensive. And they don't want Odell because they like their receiver room. Like these are players that have come in and helped spark playoff teams. And I just wonder if they'll be a little more aggressive. If they'll 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 take that as we're still good. We still got a million core pieces locked up, but they'd have to swing. Like we really got to go at this aggressively. We have trusted the process that's got us in this spot where we can take another swing like they did, like they did on the digs trade. And one thing I've been saying a bit is if it falls short and we think about how, how we talk about how they lose, I think people are going to want to dig straight for the defense. Some stud you think transforms you by just plugging one piece in the way that Melvin Ingram did for the chiefs because before Ingram, after Ingram, vastly different defense, right? Jones, Chris Jones got moved from the edge to the interior and all of a sudden like, boom, their defense is set. So I just wonder if they won't be a little more aggressive because they decided to run it back, which, you know, anybody could defend that. They're a good team and they're certainly capable of winning it. Great stuff. Uh, Jeremy White, uh, you can find him tomorrow morning with Howard Simon on WGR 550. The Odyssey app gets you locked in wherever you are. We appreciate you so much uh, taking some time today. We wanted to, you know, bring a little, uh, experience onto the show here you've been covering we talked about it uh, you know uh you've, you've been covering the show now i've been listening to you since uh 2001 i tell you this all the time back in the brad Ryder days and so it's uh oh, yeah. it's cool for me to, to to have you on here and uh uh we appreciate you man get back to the family i know you got a lot of you still got a lot of work to do tonight well yeah well the babies are in bed the work i gotta do is like laying out the gear and tomorrow yes. night i'm gonna stand in my backyard for two hours dressed in it as the temperatures plunge to like make sure that everything like is good where are my weak spots you know like self-scouting so it's going to be an adventurous couple of adventurous couple of days i just hope they come out with a win shout a buffalo football podcast hosted by matt perino and ryan talbot we're going to get into our picks we're going to get into uh, some more uh, matchup stuff. I want to get into maybe some of the, the Patriots that could be in, could be out. And I guess, like, let's start maybe there, Ryan, in terms of Christian Barmore. Uh, the, the the narrative on him throughout the week has been so interesting to kind of watch. Because if you watch, if you listen, if you're plugged in and you're listening to the Patriots reporters at the beginning of the week, he shows up, he's out of practice, he's limited all week. This is a guy that got carted off the field against in, down in Miami with a knee injury. And everybody was kind of freaking out. Belichick came out a, a day later and said, listen, we think we're, we're hopeful that we maybe dodged a bullet. But I'm at the I'm at a place right now that even though 13 players were put uh, listed as questionable on the final New England uh, injury report, I'm at a place sitting here right now where I'm not very hopeful for him to kind of play, play a lot and have a significant role in this game because it's going to be freezing. So if you get out there and you play the first time you take a bang on that knee, it's going to be painful. Uh, my expectations are that this is kind of a situation where wink, wink, Bill Belichick just trying to maybe play some men- do do the mental warfare this week. 
Well, yeah, having I mean, having all 13 players listed as questionable when you have a player like Isaiah Wynn, too, who hasn't really practiced the last two days uh, and, and having a guy like Christian Barmore who was carted off, just putting them all there. It's, it's just always part of those uh, mind games. Who's going to play? Who's not? But Barmore specifically, it, it isn't interesting. And listen, I didn't see the you know what led to the cart coming out. But usually when the cart comes out, it's something that keeps you out minimum three, four weeks. The the mm-hmm. fact that there's already talk about him playing the next week um, <sighs> is shocking. It could happen. It definitely could happen. But you're right. I think in zero degree weather or close to zero degree weather, the, the movement, the it's going to feel different for him. He might not be as effective. Maybe having him out there at less than 100% actually benefits the bills i you know you don't want to say that it will but go back to the championship game in different position different player different situation the bills insisted on having gabriel davis out there on the field in that championship game against the chiefs and he had an ankle injury and he was he could not do anything he could not run in that game he could not separate he he was a non-factor barmore might be a, a factor in in a minimal sense but you're not going to see him at 100 percent. you're not going to see a lot of those guys at 100 percent that that does not ensure a victory, but going to this game, you have to feel good if you're Buffalo, knowing that man, our injury report is a lot cleaner than New England's. Yeah, and you know, you looked at the rest of this injury report, and you know the 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 win situation. We kind of covered that already in terms of what that can mean for their offensive line, and even if he plays. You know, this is an offensive line that I thought the Bills front did pretty well against. Only nine pressures in that second game. I think Jerry Hughes is a guy, you know, we got we got to talk to Jerry Hughes yesterday for the first time, I feel like, all season. Uh, with the Zoom setting, we just really haven't had the opportunity to check in with him on a weekly basis. Whereas back to in the in the locker room days, it happened much more. And um I, I was really um I thought Jerry Hughes was really good. And I thought that, you know, this is a guy that Going into the year, I, for a stretch there, I was I was picking him as my player to watch every week. I'm like, he's going to have a breakout one of these days. And I, I feel like that breakout really hasn't come. The pressures have been pretty consistent still. I think if you go look at some of the advanced metrics, his pressure rate is still among you know the top 15, 20 in the league. So, I mean, he still is an effective player. But you know him reflecting on his career and the fact that any game now at this point being the last year of his contract, he's going to be 34 next year. Any one of these could be his last game. And so I think that there is an urgency for Hughes, which is really good news for a guy that has been playing maybe second or third uh, percentage-wise snaps behind Greg Rousseau at times Mario Addison. Addison's played pretty well over the last couple games. You get F.E. Obata this, w- this week back. And I guess we could kind of play the uh, inactives game, Ryan, go down the roster, who because 53 guys, I mean, it's going to be – you know, a challenge for Sean McDermott to kind of figure that out. But I think Jerry Hughes is a guy in this game that I look at uh, a healthy Jerry Hughes could be a factor in this game. Healthy Jerry Hughes, healthy Mario Addison, like you said, both playing really well, both knowing that they're getting closer to the end of their respective NFL careers. Addison older than, than Hughes at that, both in their final years in Buffalo. Uh, even if, if this is their final year with the Bills, they'll probably still be able to land somewhere for another year or two. But you just never know, you know. One year you're in the league, the next you're not. Just kind of like a Trent Murphy situation. Maybe Murphy just decided to hang it up. You you never know, but it's tough. They're going to go into this playoff run. They want to leave it all on the field. They know that this team has everything that it takes, going back to what we were just talking about with Jeremy. 
in the AFC this year, it's still wide open. I, I still think that the Bengals, for as good as they are, they remind me of the Bills from one year ago in terms of they can make a little bit of a run here in the playoffs, but they don't have that experience. Uh, the Patriots have some issues that we've already talked about a lot between uh, our Tuesday show and tonight, whether it's not trusting the quarterback, whether it's injuries, what, you know, the, the list goes on and on there. The Chiefs are vulnerable. The Titans are vulnerable. I have no faith in the Steelers, obviously. Um, and, the, and the list goes on. So this is the year where the Bills, you know, they really need to make that run because the AFC is only going to get tougher and tougher with a lot of these young, great quarterbacks that are in this conference. The window is still going to be open, like Jeremy said, but this is the year that they have to do it. This is the year that veterans like Jerry Hughes, Mario Addison, uh, they, they need to go out kind of with a bang here and help the Bills take that next step past where they were one year ago. So many people took uh, issue with the fact that the Patriots have 13 players on the injury report and all of them are listed as questionable. It's kind of like, uh, all right, like, what are you doing? Are you playing a game here? Like trying to, and I guess like, yeah, if you're preparing for them, I get it. Like it's probably better to know if you're going to be going up against Duggar in this defense, who's been so consistently good as kind of like that Rome kind of player he's played really well honestly in a lot of ways I don't think in the same ways but if you're talking about continuity I think what he's been able to do back there with Adrian Phillips I mean that's a really good combo and they ask him to do a lot of different things so yeah knowing if he's going to be there or not probably affects how the Bills prepare to a degree but listen I don't think that it's that much I think sometimes we get into the to the weeds with this stuff in football and like you know practicing inside or outside I thought Sean McDermott was actually really um informative on that today when he was talking about you know the bills practice inside yesterday but they turned heat off in, on the practice field and then they opened all the windows so it felt really cold they made the, they froze the balls and made them really cold so they had to kind of had to deal with that during practice i think sometimes well we get if football i think it's just such a competitive environment everybody's looking for an advantage but in the end i don't think that that actually does a lot ryan do you i mean do you think that putting those 13 guys on the list is somehow an advantage for bill belichick and the patriots no i don't listen the, the bills aren't sitting there hovering over that list saying oh who, you know is it gonna play is he not gonna play they're game planning for I, a if, team. I'm, if i'm mcdermott i want barmore to play i mean if you, i'm mcdermott at 100 i don't think he's gonna be 100 percent. right yeah, no, I, listen, you, you know this team, they know you. Uh, there could be a few extra wrinkles, trick plays, fake punts, stuff like that. But you you know the ins and outs of this team, and the Patriots can say the same about the Bills. So you're not sitting there worrying necessarily about which one of those 13 players is really going to play, which one's not, which one's at 100%. Um, they're just, their focus is simply moving on in this game by any means necessary. So no, I, I guarantee you Sean McDermott and company aren't losing any sleep over uh, the Patriots listing all 13 players is questionable. Who's the X factor for each team player mm. of the game? Cody's asking over on Facebook. Okay. Uh, I think that's a great question. Uh, you know, defense, I'm going to go with Ed Oliver. I really feel like he is playing his best ball of the season. He's been a game wrecker. He's been timing his snaps. He's been getting in the backfield, uh, whether it's stopping the run uh, there, there was a play recently where uh, against the Jets where he he pr- almost took the hand off before Zach Wilson could get it to the running back where he was back there so fast he actually hit the hand uh, and mm-hmm. they were still able to complete that play. He's been getting after the quarterback. Uh, I think in this game, we've talked about the cold conditions. If you, if you hit him early, that being Mac Jones, if you make him a little uncomfortable, 
He's going to throw those balls maybe um, w- without scanning the field as much as he should. Maybe that allows a Taryn Johnson to, to jump a route again or these cornerbacks to make a play. You, you know for the most part that Mac Jones is not going to come out and look like a completely different quarterback. He's not going to be slinging it 30, 40 yards down the field on a regular basis. He might test the Bills once or twice, try to draw a flag. There's nothing wrong with that. But he keeps it safe along that line of scrimmage. So uh, I'm going to go with that Oliver being that difference maker up front for for the defense offensively or on offense on this that side of the ball. That's a tough one. I'm going to I'll stick with uh, Devin Singletary. He's just been playing so well. If they get down in the red zone again, I feel like they really think they can trust him to punch the ball in. He's protecting the football really well. I know that Josh Allen and the legs is what opposing teams think of. And, and maybe that's been helping Singletary, but six touchdowns last four games. I'll, I'll go off the beaten path a little bit. And I'll go with Singletary. I like, I like both of those. I'm going to, let me go defense first. I think I'm going to go Tremaine Edmonds. And I think that this is more of a, I think he needs to be kind of an X factor. You know, if you go back to that first matchup where they ran all over the bills, Star Latula didn't play in that game. And I really like this spot ramping star back up over the last couple of weeks with Harrison Phillips kind of taking over that number one role. It allows you now to have real depth at that one technique rotation. And I think that this could be a spot where Star Latula comes in here and has one of those big games, gets in the backfield, has a couple tackles for a loss, maybe has a sack. Um, I like, and, and so maybe I can mention it and, and say Star Latula, but I think more so than anything, what Star's presence does and how Harrison Phillips has been playing. Don't let me downplay that. I think that that really lends to allowing Tremaine Edmonds to be more of a factor. You know, is he going to read, you know, the run game every time perfectly? No. I mean, I think we've come to the, the, to the place here in year four that that's just not uh, where he's at. Like he's not strong in that department every single time. I think he's been a lot better than a lot of people give him credit for, but what he has been doing is Ryan. I've loved to see over the last month or so he, when he's had the chance to, he has been laying the hit stick. I don't, I can't think of anything I'd want to do less in sub freezing zero below zero temperatures than getting hit stick by Tremaine Edmonds. I mean, the guy is just an absolute physical freak. He's huge when he gets running downhill and he puts the bang on you. That's what tells me that it's going to be another game like it's been for Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. I don't think that there's going to be a lot of work to do over the middle of the field because you're dealing with Tremaine Edmonds, who I just don't think that you're going to want to get hit by in this game. So he's my guy in the defensive end. On the offensive side, I'm going to go Emmanuel Sanders. And I'm expecting a big game from Stephon Diggs. But if you want the guy that I think can kind of play that McKenzie role in this game, where when he's out on the field with other guys and nobody's going to really, you know, he's kind of an afterthought at this point, right? It's been a while since that last two touchdown game, which I think was back at the beginning of October. I just think I was listening to Sean McDermott talk about the injury report today and how they made the decisions and the fact that they, they held, he basically said when they were making the decision, whether or not to play, um, Sanders last week, what came into it was, do we want to, to play him? Cause we think he's probably ready or do we want to have him fully ready to go next week for the playoffs? And I think he's going to be available. I think they're going to lean on him. I think he made a couple plays against the new England Patriots a couple weeks ago. So I'm going to go with uh, Sanders as my X factor player to watch. It could be McKenzie. Maybe they go back to that thing. It could be Cole Beasley. I think the, the really cool thing for Brian Dable is you have so many weapons in that offense that I think that you just have to kind of figure it out pretty early on 
who the guys are going to be your, your go-to guys in this guy game, have them make plays and then, you know, set them up to be uh, playmakers. And, and part of that falls on Josh Allen as well. Yeah, and I love the pick, especially on defense with Edmonds. Uh, not just the, the the hitting factor, and obviously it has to be good against the run, but the way he clogs up the middle of that defense against a quarterback like Mac Jones, make Mac Jones throw to the sideline where, where that's not a strength of his. Take away that area of the field where he, he likes to throw the ball. Take out those tight ends maybe or make it more difficult for him to find the, the windows for those guys. So that's definitely a great pick. And Sanders is someone who that started really strong. And the Bills would love nothing more if they could get that veteran in the playoffs that kind of looked like the player who who started strong in the regular season. It's picks time. All right. Here we go. Biggest game of the season, Bills versus New England Patriots in Buffalo. Temperature at kickoff is supposed to be at around two degrees. What do you got? I, I'm going to preface this, Matt. I don't remember Ooh. my dreams very often. I, I hardly ever remember dreams. I, I usually sleep. I wake up. Boom. Don't remember anything that I, I dreamed about. I had a dream about this game recently. This week, the Bills won 31 to 13. So I'm going with that. I'm going with a, a big blowout win. Uh, I'm going with the defense getting two to three turnovers, which either leads to a pick six score or, or an easy short field where the Bills get that into. I, I wouldn't be shocked if it was a nail biter. I've seen in a lot of those games over the years with the Bills, whether you're talking playoffs or just the Patriots in general, but big win for the Bills. I'm going I'm following the dream. The dream that I hardly ever remember. Bills win. Josh Allen looks good. I liked your prediction with uh Mr. Beauvais in, in the car for Josh. So I, I think he has a strong game. The Bills protect the ball. They move on in the playoffs. I'm also going with the Bills. And, you know, one of the things I think that this team does such a good job of is job of is finding any way to put a chip on their shoulder and, and get an advantage that way. And I feel like they've taken the narrative that they don't do well in the weather and they're going to kind of come out here and try to kind of prove that narrative wrong. And I'm starting with Josh Allen. I predicted it on the Bovey special um, over on uh, he posted on Twitter. I think Josh Allen is going to be really efficient in this game, throwing the football. I think he's going to mix up the run and the pass. I think this is a Patriots defense that's banged up. They're not playing at the same level that they were um, even five weeks ago now. And I think that that was a game that, you know, two or three different plays happen. And I think the Bills have learned that lesson at this stage of the season, that you make a couple of those plays, you move on from the mistakes, and you go out and make a play, and they have enough talent to make it. It's amazing how quickly things can turn. The number I've landed at is Buffalo Bills 34, New England Patriots 24, and that or uh, Bills 35, New England 24. And the reason that I have the Patriots scoring that high is because I think the Bills are going to get up early. And I think that a lot of that's going to come uh, down the stretch. But I really like the Bills in this game. Everywhere I've looked, I've studied it all week. I've watched both games. I've watched, it, I've watched the Patriots game against the Dolphins. I watched the Bills uh, back against the Jets. And I just think that in this setting, what Mac Jones is going to deal with, with the cold environment, the absolute raucous environment of Bill's Mafia being back in that building for the first time in the century in a full packed house for a playoff game in Orchard Park. It's it's going to be a pretty special night there. And I and you wonder how the Bills deal with the, you know, the expectation and the pressure. But something Harrison Phillips said to me today really, really stuck. It's like that's an outside the building thing. Once you get in between the lines, it's focus on what you have to do. And this is a team that I think can go back to probably 
maybe six quarters against this team where I think they've been the better team. And so from that perspective, you don't have to deal with the win. I'm going with the Bills, and uh, I feel pretty good about the pick. I feel confident about it. I like it. Uh, we're both in you know, the same boat. I can't wait, Matt, until you know late, well, probably early Sunday morning, to be honest, when we, we get back together again, break this game down. Uh, Bill's mafia it's be numbers really are early Sunday morning. Oh my gosh! <laughs> hey, that's what happens with these night games. We had a few of those last year too, and I, you know, I'll take it if it means the Bills keep moving on because this fan base, uh, crazy supportive of, of the podcast numbers are popping right now. Thank you so much for tuning in. Two shows this week, another one coming your way in another two days. So a really cool story, and I'm I think I saw him in here, Corey. Um, uh, I think he's. The same Corey that uh, I was talking to earlier today, really supportive of the pod. Uh, Corey Gesser, uh, you can go follow him on uh, Twitter at Core Manchu. Uh, he's actually in the military stationed over in Germany. And he sent me a DM a couple days ago saying that once in a lifetime opportunity, he's leaving Germany. He's 17 hours travel time. He's flying through um, – Charlotte, North Carolina, seven hour layover. Then he flies to Rochester. He's going to the game. He's going to be back in Buffalo for five days, flying back to Germany. Uh, that's kind of what this game means to people. And that's what I, I'm kind of referring to when I talk about what the environment's going to be like in the, in the building. And I think like all the way up until kickoff, it's going to be, Hey, sitting next to the guy next to you. Can you believe how cold it is out here, man? Like I am just freezing my butt off. But as soon as that whistle blows and that first kickoff happens, like the place is just, the vibe is just going to be crazy. I mean, I might have to even, as cold as it's going to be, I, I bought some toe warmers and some hand warmers, even though I'm going to be in the press box, just because I'm like, I think I might have to be outside a little bit for the pregame show. So I'm, I'm a baby dude. Yeah. I told you I, ever since moving back from Vegas, it's terrible. I might have to just dip out just for a few moments just to experience the energy and the noise because you don't really get it because it's kind of soundproof in the, in the press box. It's going to be a cool night. Bill's Mafia, you know, like you said, Matt, once this game gets started, they're going to be standing the whole game, shoulder to shoulder, jumping up and down, screaming. There's going to be no voices in Western New York come Sunday, Monday morning. And I think all that jumping around and, and that close proximity is going to keep everyone pretty warm. It'll be a little surprising, I think. I've been listening to the, uh, you know, all the press conferences over in New England, and this is actually a rivalry now. Like it's always been on the Bills' end, a rivalry with the Patriots because of how much hatred there is for mm. the fan base, the team, the city. It's it's a whole other thing. We can kind of sidetrack into the whole like, if you're a Bills fan, how are you a Red Sox fan? But the, uh, we can't go down that road right now. Maybe <laughs> after the fact. But. The a rivalry by definition is only a rivalry when there's a competition on both ends. And this has been a, 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 you know, a matchup that's been dominated by one side for decades. And now the shoes on the other foot and the last three of the last four games against the Patriots, the bills have won. Josh Allen has bested bill Belichick in his house two straight times. There's gotta be a level of confidence there, but I'll tell you, if you lose this game, Man, it is going to be a long off season <laughs> and it's almost set up to be, you know, I, I don't even want to put this out there for Bill's Mafia because I know you guys are all riding high right now, but it would be the most Bill's storyline after all this, after all the hype and the Super Bowl, you know, expectations, you know, for it to kind of end in heartbreaking fashion like this against this team. I will say, though, I just think there's too much talent on this roster to at home in this setting 
to not win this game. And, you know, I think Sean McDermott, Ryan, he learned him a little bit of a lesson. He, I think he coached really tensely in that first matchup on Monday night football, the eyes of the nation were on him of the, of the, of the world were on him in that game. I think the whole country was like, the numbers were just crazy. And people are saying, don't speak that into existence. I'm sorry. I, 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 I'm a journalist. I cover all angles here. I, I apologize to you all, but like, I, I'm, I'm just trying to cushion this though. I, I don't think that that's going to happen. I'm picking the bills to win. I think that there's too much going in the right direction in this organization that outside of some miracle Bill Belichick coaching job, which by the way, have you noticed not many of those have happened since uh, one, two left town. I just, I see the bills winning this game. Yeah. Listen, if something were to happen, this would be the worst possible opponent to end the season too, obviously, because this is a rivalry. Now this isn't that big brother relationship with them beating down on you. Uh, like they did with Brady in the lineup. This is a, a Bills team that can go toe-to-toe every single year now and, and honestly be the big brother in that role uh, to the Patriots now. So they they won the regulars, uh, they won the AFC East, so that you know they, they beat the Patriots in that regard. Now you have to do it in the postseason where it really matters uh, and, and kind of prove again that this is their division now. It's it's something that they have to get used to for the, for the long term, something that obviously Bills fans had to deal with for quite some time themselves. That will do it. If you are hosting a large party, maybe you're not going to the game. Maybe you are and you want some uh, party uh, material, party uh, deliciousness for the for the tailgate out in Orchard Park. Check out Topps' huge selection of party platters for a delicious, effortless and affordable, no stress way to impress. For complete details, stop by their carryout cafe or visit topsmarkets.com slash fantasy football. That's it. We're out of here. Locked and loaded. We will have full coverage from the stadium. Chris Baker's coming up. You guys will meet him maybe uh, on the post game show. Uh, we'll have coverage from the lots. We'll have coverage in the building. Uh, you can catch me on the channel for pregame show, Buffalo Kickoff Live. It's going down, Ryan. Make sure you sleep in late on Saturday. I don't want any sleepy eyes when we start our, our podcast. I know I've been a little bit sleepy in the last couple of late ones, uh, <laughs> but it's going to be a fun weekend, my friend. Uh, see you soon. A Buffalo football podcast hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot.